Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Tuesday, January 7th is just moments away. Please don't interrupt me this time, Ben. Uh-huh. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like... Well, let me get my, okay, the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, sponsor this show, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. A giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board and sponsoring the Ben Jaronsky Show. And, of course, today's program is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Give him that song of the day, buddy. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, huh? I'm yeah, just reading yeah. like, Happy New Year, guys. Um, here we go. <clears throat> Pretty woman walking down the street. Do you know who sings that? Roy Orbison. My man. The Ben Jarowski Show starts now. <laughs> Tuesday, January 7th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, our Chicago Reader colleague Maya Duke-Masova will join us, and it's the long-awaited return of Vice President of the Chicago Teachers Union, Around here, we call her Governor Gates. Around here, we call her SDG. We call her a lot of things. It's Stacey Davis Gates. And now your host, we just call him Ben. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Talking Points Tuesday. And here's why. Great weekend. Do you have a good weekend? Yes. I had a great weekend. Right, let's see. What did I do? I saw Little Women. Good flick. Two yeah, thumbs way up. Right. Saw Little Women. Enjoyed you know, it's it Tuesday, much. right? Uh, yeah, but I wasn't here yesterday. So I'm talking about the weekend. Cool. Uh, watch the Golden Globes. This is interesting. I was just talking to Ramon about the Golden Globes. Golden Globes, of course, is an award show. They give out awards for movies and TV shows. And here's something. I'm going to make a sociological observation. D, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. couple observations about the Golden Globes. Number one, men refuse to admit they like the Golden Globes. Now, I openly admit I love the Golden Globes. I love the Golden Globes. I love the Oscars. I love the um, uh, the Grammys. Not big on the Emmys because I don't watch TV, so I don't know any of the shows. And not big on the Tonys because I don't watch get to Broadway much, ever. So, don't watch musicals, but I love the Golden Globes. I hate them. <laughs> there you, I see your point. Take it. I just bumped into Mark Brown in the hallway. I hate the go. By the way, I cut a deal with him. He's coming on the okay, show. Okay, great. Mark Brown, Chicago Sometimes awesome. Columns. Awesome. Cut a deal. All right, but last night at the bowling alley, for instance, I'm asking all the guys, hey, do you guys watch the Golden Globes? Oh, my God, are you kidding? I don't watch the Golden Then a little secret reveals, D. I start talking about the Golden Globes. Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, well, how could you see that if you don't watch the Golden Globes? And they go, well, my wife watches them, and I overheard it. Oh, your wife watches. In other words, a lot of these guys watch the Golden Globes, love the Golden Globes, absorb the information from the Golden Globes, but they're too ashamed to admit it. So they blame it on their wives. Anyway, I love the Golden Globes. Ricky Gervais was hilarious. Here's another thing I want to point out, all right? 
before I get to the main point I want to say, we have a political divide in this country. So if you're liberal, you're not supposed to like Ricky Gervais, but you can like Ellen DeGeneres. They both are comedians. They're both funny. They have different styles. They have different points of view. They both delivered very funny monologues on the Golden Globes. But Exhibit A, New York Times, liberal newspaper. Thank you, Ellen. They like Ellen. Get lost, Ricky. <laughs> Ricky was hilarious, man. Come on now. I'm sorry. I only like liberal comedians. I can't like... Well, I don't even know if he... I think just Ricky Gervais just wants to insult whoever is in front of him. So it was a room full with liberals, so he yeah. insulted liberals. Yeah. But his line, he's some great lines. He's Sasha, a contrarian. He's a contrarian. He'd fit in well on this show. Uh, and a huge Joe Biden supporter, by the way. I just made that yeah, up. Right. Uh, and uh, what was his... Uh, Ricky Gervais had that great line about... Uh, what was the one, D? About how uh, everybody's liberal in the room, but they got deals with Apple and Amazon, these horrific companies. If ISIS had his own com com uh, production company, they'd be calling up their agents. And everybody's like, oh, come on. Yeah, that's unfair. Anyway, I like Ricky Gervais. I'm not ashamed to admit it, but Ellen DeGeneres, her timing is impeccable. That woman has some of the best com comedic timing I've ever seen. She's, the way she sets up a joke. Anyway. You were taking notes, right? I was taking notes, right, but it's a little good. late for me in the game. <laughs> I hate to say it. I'm just not going to be as good as Ellen DeGeneres. That's correct. Uh, you know, it's just timing. Kate McKinnon, she's got great timing, too. Timing's everything. D in comedy. All right, remember that. Uh, anyway, uh, what else? What else? I know what else. I spent most of my weekend waiting my marching orders, waiting my talking points. Let me explain. Uh, President Donnie Trump, in his infinite wisdom, decided it was a good idea to execute the General Soleimani, the second most powerful man in Iran. And now we find ourselves almost at war with Iran. It's definitely a war of words. Iran is vowing to uh, have uh, counterattacks against the United States. Absolutely made no sense to do this from any strategic or uh, commonsensical uh analysis but that's our president he wanted to do it so he did it and uh, so here we are the rest of us somebody else is going to pay the price for it anyway since it made no immediate sense there was no immediate talking point for trumpsters to offer so i was curious what kind of talking points the trumpsters would come up with to justify the strike uh and to counteract their opponents and so i was waiting for my tea party alerts now Folks may not realize this, longtime listeners know, for somehow, for some reason, some way, somehow, I got on the Tea Party mailing list. So I'm always getting these uh, emails from the Tea Party. They come all the time. Tea mails. I've been saying that for months on this show, Ben. <laughs> this is the guy who came up with the Ramada Rundown, Midweek with Monroe. Uh, Monroe Monday. Alliteration, guys. Yeah, he's really good at it. He went to radio school. Anyway, uh, so T-mails. I'm waiting for my T-mails from the Tea Party. That's hard to say if you're dyslexic. Uh, explain to me what I'm supposed to say to justify this insanity from your president, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't vote for him. Donald John Trump. So, uh, you know, it's kind of hard. This is not an easy one to explain because it makes no sense. So let me see. Wait. One day I got this T-mail, Tea Party update. What is it? What could it be? Veterinarian AIDS. Quote, this one thing to help your dog food. <laughs> this one thing helps your dog's food help them be healthier. Well, apparently, the Tea Party. That's uh, crappy writers. It's uh, <laughs> behind a business that does dog food supplements. Did you know that, D? 
No. Apparently, the tea party's in the dog food business. I didn't know that. You click on that thing, one thing leads to another, and you end up buying dog food supplements for your dog. But it's not really helping me uh, with my marching orders and my talking posts, talking points to explain the idiocy of our president. Wait, hold on. No here's, an- <laughs> here's another one from the tea party. Power wash your insides. Hmm. Apparently, the Tea Party is now selling some kind of video that teaches you uh, how to transform your gut. I'm reading a quote uh, with this one simple thing. You ingest something oh. and it just like. Rec- I thought it was like an ant for a power washer. It's like, does my dad work for those people? It power washes your inside so you lose weight. Ah, okay. Okay. All so right. apparently, the Tea Party's into digestive treats as well for the human being. As well as the dog, all right? So they're selling a lot of things. No advice. Hold on. Here's another one. Uh, <laughs> this is what a, I can't even read my writing. Awesome. A simple soda does. Oh, now here we go. Apparently, the Tea Party's in the position of advising you on what to do to counteract big soda. So it's like some kind of weird big soda campaign. Uh, here we go. I thought one final tea mail advice Move your money before January 20th. Oh, no. They're advising me to buy gold. Apparently, the Tea Party is now an expert on investments. You know what, Dave? I didn't know better. I would say the Tea Party is nothing more than a shakedown artist who's shaking down a lot of suckers and saps. If I didn't know any better. guess I'm going to have to watch Fox News for my talking points and marching orders. We got a great, whoops. Oh, oh man. Oh, no, my pen exploded. <laughs> we got a great show today, everybody. Maya returns. Maya. <laughs> Maya, Maya. Dukmasova from Maya. The, my beloved Chicago Reader has been on vacation for the last couple of weeks. She hasn't been there. We've been filling in on Tuesdays. She'll be back. She has a lot to say about a war propaganda uh, in, the, uh, in this day and age of... Uh, Donald Trump will be really interested to see what she has to say on that one. Probably talk a little reefer with her as well. And then uh, Stacey Davis Gates will be here uh, from the Chicago Teachers Union. Big front page story in the Sun CPS big math problem. This is a challenging uh, story uh, which requires folks to take a little deep dive in math. A little math. Like, uh, were you good at those math quizzes where they would give you, uh, like, uh, what would they call, like, the talking math? Not, not like, story literally. problems? Yeah, story. Thank you. God I was horrible at them. Me neither. I wasn't good at anything in school, except I was in the White Sox fan club. Did I ever tell you that? Yeah, yeah a few times. Huh? White Sox fan club. Uh, big, big, big geek in high school, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, shame to say. And afterwards. Uh, if there was like a political club in high school, for some reason there was no political club where a bunch of guys get together or girls get together and just talk about politics, I would have been in that one too, D. Anyway, what can I tell you? All right. uh, We have plenty of political talk ahead of us. This is sort of like a political club right here on our show. Plenty of political talk ahead of us. Before we do that, the man from Alton, the man they call Dr. Doobie, (laughs) with the news. I wish I would have never said that. How's it going, everybody? I'm Dennis. By the way, today's Ben Jarofsky Show brought to you by Benny J Dog Treats. (laughs) Hey, man, we got to make like the tea party and start selling dog treats. I know, okay. I'm inspired a little bit. Oh, I got to get a new pen. Oh, he's got to get a new pen. Yeah, definitely get that pen going before we do anything. Here we go. Oh, there we go. Just open the case during the show. That's awesome. Do you need a pen? No. Oh. I'm reading the news. 
All right, the holiday season is over. Our Chicago and or Illinois journalists are back on the beat. And after weeks of endless countdowns and best of the year stories, we can officially tell the year 2019 to get lost <laughs> because thank God we have actual current news to discuss on the Ben Jarofsky show. No Tuesday public events scheduled for our Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. This little light of mine, <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. And no Tuesday public events scheduled for our billionaire Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Yes, that's billion with a B. So, Ben, I say there's no better time for you to get really nerdy and talk the upcoming local elections right here in the state of Illinois. What do you All say? Right, very good. Let's All go. right. We begin with an update on our third congressional district primary race. Ben, where's the third congressional district? Uh, southwest side, southwest suburbs. Come on, boy. Name one of the towns or cities. Uh, Orland Park. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> it's incumbent and maybe a Democrat in 1994. Dino Dan Lipinski versus challenger and actual Democrat. Marie Newman, round two. And there's a couple others running, but they never really show up in the news. Our updates mainly involve these two. And today, it's more of the same. Lipinski has picked up some endorsements. Now, so far, our coverage of this election has mainly been Marie Newman endorsement announcements and really big ones. Names like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have backed Newman in her race. Ever heard of them? Absolutely. AOC. <laughs> big AOC fan. But while Newman is getting the support nationally, Lipinski looks to be getting support on the local front. Today, Dino Dan Lipinski announced that he's locked down endorsements from 28 mayors from across his district. Here's the quote from Dan Dan, the endorsement man. Quote. <laughs> Dan Dan, endorsement man. I am honored to have the continued support of so many elected officials in my district who work so hard every day to make their communities great places to live. All right, Ben Jarofsky, your turn here. In your humble opinion, what's more beneficial in winning a congressional race, national or local endorsements? Wow. Dang, that's a tough question, man. That's a really hard question. Now, I know you expect me to have an instant answer. Like if you ask me what town is in the third congressional district or what towns are. But that's a tricky one because you can make an argument uh, on both sides. Like if a local politician presumably would have a local political organization filled with eager volunteers who will take marching orders, much like the Tea Party dispatches its marching orders to its Trumpsters along the lines of buy gold right now. But do we have an investment plan for you? I didn't mean to go on that tangent. So presumably that would be very important. But in this day of age of, uh, of uh, Shackman, uh, bans on political hirings there's not not the patronage armies are not as big as they once were they're virtually non-existent actually and so even local politicians are relying more and more on uh mail campaigns uh you know where you send out uh huge amounts of of uh, flyers in the, in the in the mail so I think that the local endorsements are not what they used to be. So I'm going to go, I'm going to choose door C. I'm going to say national um, endorsements are probably more important. Because like AOC says she's for you. That means something Bernie Sanders says he's for you. That means that sends a message. So you know what? I'm going to go with national. And I know if there was somebody in the studio, uh, like Mark Brown will be in the studio on Friday, a veteran Chicago Sun-Times a political writer, he probably would argue the other point, but I'm going to say national are more important. Ben's going national. Now, I have a list of all the mayors who endorse Lipinski, but honestly, who cares? Am I right? <laughs> 
But it is worth noting that one mayor not on that list is our very own Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. And there's a good reason for it. The story broke while we were away. You see, last week, Democrat on paper Dan Lipinski joined Republican lawmakers in signing on to an amicus brief calling for the Supreme Court to uphold a Louisiana state law requiring doctors who provide abortions to have admitting privileges. The brief also urges the court to reconsider Roe versus Wade. Now, are all these barely Democrat references making sense, people? The Daily Coast Elections Twitter account tweeted this news out, and it caught the eye of Mayor Lightfoot. The mayor herself then tweeted on January 4th, quote, I support a big tent, but there's no room under the flaps for anyone who is actively seeking to deny women control over our bodies. Time to leave, Dan Lipinski. So, way to go, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, except you left out one important part. You didn't endorse Marie Newman. I'm not a perfect person. Uh, well, that was actually J.B. Pritzker, not Lori Lightfoot. But yes, the point's well taken. Lynn Sweet broke the story last week, by the way. Let's give Lynn Sweet a shout out. Uh, Chicago Sun-Times, intrepid Washington, D.C. correspondent. Uh yeah, it, very interesting. All right, look, folks, if you in any way even remotely believe in a woman's right to choose, then there is no way you can vote for Danny Lipinski. Absolutely no way. You have to vote for Marie Newman uh, because Dan Lipinski is uh, out front about his opposition to abortion. And he signed on uh, onto this uh, measure that would uh, undo Roe v. Wade. There was really no reason for him to sign on uh, other than he wanted to gin up even more support that he already had from anti-abortion activists who had come to the district in the last election 2018 to campaign on his behalf so now it's just like showdown time and uh all the pro-choice um supporters will be out uh in force for marie newman and uh all the anti-abortion uh activists will be out in support uh for dan uh, lipinski and then there's just everybody who just doesn't pay attention, D. And unfortunately, that's a lot of people. As we saw in the mayor's race, 65% of the people in the city of Chicago didn't vote at all, right? 35%. So 35% of all the electric voters is a lot of, uh, excuse me, 35% of all registered voters is a lot of people, but it's just not the overwhelming number. So most people, you know what? I hate to say this, and I... I feel really bad saying about this, but I'll bet you there will be going to be some uh, pro-choice voters in the 3rd Congressional who are so ignorant, they're going to end up voting for Danny Lipinski. I guarantee you that will happen. And the vice versa. Uh, I don't know, anti-abortion ones who don't know. I, it just seems to me that the anti-abortion foes do a better job, unfortunately. i got to get Terry Cosgrove in the studio to talk about this, of getting their people out to vote uh, than the pro-choice people. Get, they take stuff for granted in this country. Liberals and lefties just take stuff for granted in this country. They don't vote. They don't like the candidates. Not perfect, so they don't forum. them. Uh, the, the right wing just gives it their marching orders and talking points, and their people just follow them blindly. So, uh, yeah. And by the way, it was interesting. Lynn Sweet pointed this out. Uh, young Daniel Lipinski uh, is signed, was, is doing this very interesting campaign where he is highlighting his vehement opposition to abortion in certain mailings to certain people that he knows are anti-abortion. But then he's withholding those in general mailings. So they've got their mail operations that sort of sophisticated to distinguish between those who are pro-choice and anti-choice. And I'll say this. If you're not paying attention, 
I mean, I, Maya's going to be in the studio. She's going to give me a hard time for saying this. You know, a lot of the millennials always give me a hard time. You're blaming the voter, Ben. Remember, they always tell yeah, me you're that blaming. and Venmo. You never Venmo. <laughs> they give me a hard time about so many things. I'm going to give Maya. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give Maya this quiz. Oh, yeah? Don't tell her. All right? I'm going to give Stacey Davis Gates this quiz, too. What's see this I, quiz you're referring to? Oh, I'm sorry. The playlist quiz. All right? <laughs> Let's see how Stacey Davis Gates thinks she's so smart. Let's see how she does on that playlist quiz. What's the playlist quiz? Um, you taught me it. It's where you name the song, and then you have to name the artist, correct? Yeah. What was the first way I did it? <laughs> I just said, have you All ever right. heard Let's of it? Let's get some context here. So uh, w- w- the candidates running for president have songs, right, that they walk out to? That is correct. And Ben was challenging people and uh, naming the song, and you'd see if they can guess the artist. But the, ben, the way Ben did it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. The guests were all like, ah, oh, Panic oh. at the Disco, uh, High Hopes. Here's here's how Ben did it. This is not, not how you do it. Alex Trebek wouldn't uh, take notes from you here. Uh, Panic at the Disco, High Hopes. You ever heard of that one? <laughs> and they would, yeah, of course. What kind of quiz is that? Sing it. Sing it. Huh. By oh, the way, good. I give you credit for remembering that. The Pan- song. Oh. Well, I, I hear it all the time. And now, when I, like, you hear it at the grocery store, like Walgreens. Look all the time, so. who loves Panic at the Disco. Here's another thing about the doctor. He's another one of those guys. I said, the first thing I said to Dennis today, hey, you watch Golden Globes? No, never. I would never watch the Golden Globes. <laughs> then all of a sudden, oh, I love Ricky Gervais. Wait a minute. I thought you didn't watch the Golden Globes. Happy to happen. I watched it on YouTube. Happy to happen. <laughs> Turns out, folks, he not only watched it, he taped it and watched it again. <laughs> oh, I love that dress. And I'm going next year. <laughs> Come on, men who say they don't like the Golden Globes. That's like a Twitter thing. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, come on, guys. Just admit you like the Golden Globes. Hey, how about we talk about uh, Marie Newman and oh, Daniel Pinsky, huh? Come on. Here's my. Here's what I say to any pro-choice voter out there in the 3rd Congressional. If you're dumb enough to vote for Dan Lipinski, you should lose your voting rights. There you go. I'm sorry. Maya's going to be mad at me and blaming the voter. Oh, but voter ignorance is appalling. So here you got Danny Lipinski. The guy is the most anti-choice Democrat left in Congress, and he figures he can slip through by sending one mailer to a pro-choice person that doesn't mention the issue, just says what a wonderful guy he is, and another mailer to a, a anti-abortion person saying how much he's standing with them against abortion. And these people on the third congressional, oh, food for Dan Lipinski. Ooh. That's not even the worst thing they do in the third congressional district, D. I think that the Nazi got like 25% oh, of the God, vote. That guy yeah so i mean time to wake up people sorry man i'm all fired up but the tea party sends out these their little uh the marching orders and stuff and democrats are so clueless they don't know i think i'll vote for lipinski i don't know i didn't pay attention i was watching the golden globes this weekend anyway that's what i think about that all right uh so like we said mayor lightfoot not yet supporting marie newman now oh yeah that's the other thing i was talking about yeah happy tuesday guys (laughs) Come on, Mayor Lightfoot, take a stand. She sends out that tweet where she's like, don't be for Lipinski. Well, there's other people running. You know, it's not just Marie Newman. We got Rush Darwish. Rush Darwish. And Charles Hughes. I think he got bounced off the ballot, but whatever. That was your favorite. (laughs) Uh, you're thinking of Charles Darwin. I'm a big fan of Charles Darwin. <laughs> anyway, uh, I went to high school with a kid named Bobby Hughes. But- Will Mayor Lightfoot eventually support Marie Newman? She better. She better jump aboard the bandwagon. I mean, 
Mayor Lightfoot, do you believe that this district should have a pro-choice congressperson? If the answer is yes, she get behind Marie Newman. The, here's another thing Demo- lefties do. They divide the vote. Apparently, they haven't figured out that uh, it's a winner-take-all situation. There's no runoff. It took me forever to, to explain to Chicagoans we have a runoff system for mayor. Remember the sh- Oh, God. It's, I'm never, I wrote so many columns like explaining that we have a, a system where the two top vote getters and no one gets 50% meeting a runoff. But then all these people will be saying, well, Ben, the problem with two lefties running is they'll split the vote and uh, the conservative centrists will win. I go, no, we have a runoff system. Huh? Then they, so then they got that. They learned that for the mayor's race. Now they think that's applicable, let's say, to congressional races. No, it's a different system, folks. The primary, I know it's confusing. I know it's hard. Politics is really difficult. Oh, God. But anyway, Lori Lightfoot, you should know that we have a uh, winner-take-all system. So come on. Take a stand on this one. Shout out to Kyle on the YouTube live stream chat. Kyle says, looking forward to Ben's new article, blaming the electorate, how stupid voters are causing me stress. I'm not allowed to write those anymore, Kyle. Maya gets mad at me. Where is Maya? Blaming the voter is no good, all right? I'm not allowed to write that. Hey, Kyle, you try writing about the decisions Chicago voters make year after year for aldermen and and mayor without losing faith in them. Kyle's real funny. He also put the uh, tea party is in the dog food business. Uh, That's only one step away from the horse poop business by input poop. (laughs) But you cleaned it up, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a podcast. Yeah, you know. I'm getting a phone call right now as we speak. Oh, great. Bring it up. (laughs) Answer it. Not going to answer it. <laughs> All right. And I finally, think it's a, like a solicitor or something. And finally, we have a Cook County State's Attorney election update. Oh, boy. And just like Marie Newman, incumbent State's Attorney Kim Fox has a handful of popular endorsements as well. But unlike Newman, she's got Mayor Lightfoot. But that's not stopping Kim Fox's challengers. They're coming for her seat. Challengers like DePaul finance professor Bill Conway. And apparently this Conway's got some campaign cash. He just yeah, went, he comes up with a really rich family. Yeah, that, well, we got that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a little tip. The Tea Party gives tips. I'm going to give Tea Party's giving advice on investing. They say buy gold or something like that. I'm going to give you a little tip here. Oh, okay. Write this down. Okay. You want to be rich? Yeah. Get born into a rich family. Oh, damn. Okay, there I'm you out. go. <laughs> I'm out. Wait, you didn't think of that, huh, when you were born? Damn. Yeah, you got to think ahead, D. All right. So apparently this Conway's got a rich family, and he's got some campaign cash on hand. He just released an online political campaign ad, and we're about to play it. And, you know, since you can only hear this and not see it, <laughs> you're just going to have to take my word for this, guys. <laughs> this Conway. Yeah. He's a bro. We have a mass incarceration problem because there are too many people that have been put in jail because they're poor or put in jail because they're addicted or put in jail because they're mentally ill. And that doesn't make any sense. Bill Conway, Navy veteran and proud progressive. He'll stand up to Trump's attacks on Chicago's marginalized communities and he'll end the scandals and corruption that keep our criminal justice system broken. We need real criminal justice reform so nonviolent people can get back on their feet. And that's not happening right now. Wow, that's interesting. He's coming at her from the left. And uh, this is, he has a challenge. Uh, Conway has a challenge. We've talked about this race for a while. Conway has a challenge. The way things have been set up, uh, Kim Fox has been targeted by Trump supporters. 
They think because of the Smollett-Gate situation that she's too easy uh, on uh, criminals. And so they've made her a target. They want to oust her as Cook County State's attorney. Fraternal Order Police is really hard on her. Donald Trump is really hard on her. So if you're running against her, that's basically your base. You can't win with that base. Maya will explain that she's in the studio. She knows what I'm talking about. You cannot beat Kim Fox by running at her from the right. It's not going to happen. There's not enough Trump supporters in Chicago or Cook County to do that. So what young Bill Conway is doing is trying to establish his progressive credentials, which isn't really going to work either because most progressives in Chicago and in Cook County are sticking with Kim Fox regardless of Smollett Gate. So... It's going to be really hard for Conway. What he's, I do is trying to convince, getting back what I'm talking about, I hate to say this, some voters not that, pay, I was going to say, some voters don't pay attention. They only see, they only, all they know about politics is a commercial they see on TV. Maya's going to be mad at me for blaming voters, but it's, I'm just stating something that's pretty true. And so they're going to, oh, Conway, he's the progressive. Oh, I'll vote for him. I'm a progressive. So that's what he's hoping for. Uh, and uh, by the way, I, I don't know if you saw this, D, in the paper today. Um, Bob Fioretti, uh, one of your... <laughs> oh, one of my favorites, right? <laughs> one of your favorites, uh, a former alderman of the second ward. My, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, his lawyers are challenging Kim Fox's petitions, and they're having this ferocious battle. That's... By the way, if Conway has a chance, he's going to owe it all to uh, Bob Fioretti. If Bob Fioretti manages to get Kim Fox bounced off the ballot on some kind of uh, technicality, I don't think it's going to be, happen. I think it's a long shot chance. Uh, but uh, anyway, so that's a big fight going on. Nobody's really paying attention to that right now. So maybe that's what Conway's, uh, that, that that could be his strategy, hoping that Fioretti uh, knocks uh, Kim Fox off the ballot and then he'll run as the progressive. Uh, that could be what he's up to, young man. All right. So who do you think has a better chance? Bill Conway or Bob Fioretti? Neither. Neither. I've okay. been predicting all along. And uh, when we come back from break, we'll see what uh, Maya has to say about it. I, I don't believe that Kim Fox can be defeated. You need black support in Cook County and Chicago to get elected. And uh, I don't see any of these other candidates getting it. So I think Kim Fox, uh, by virtue of her support in the black community and progressive community, uh, will or the white progressive community, I guess I should say, uh, will be victorious in the Democratic nomination. And one more time, you don't need a majority. All you need is plurality. She could be, uh, all she has to be is the number one vote getter. She doesn't need 50.1. It's not like the Chicago mayoral election. I'm trying to teach these people stuff. So there you are. Just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois. Of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. We're going to take a little break, but don't go anywhere because coming up after said break, our Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Duke-Masova, returns. It's The Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, 
arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers! Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, Bruce Rauner. Uh, am I the only person in Chicago who misses Bruce Rauner? Yes, we're yeah. going to be uh, talking about teachers later on today. Isn't that right, Ben? Stacey Davis-Gase uh, will be in the studio, and uh, she's on the front page of the Chicago Sun-Times, coincidentally. I did, not plan- I did not plan that, Maya. I did not know there's this big okay. story about a dispute. <laughs> Clearing uh, the air. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would require preparation. Uh, uh, this sto- this uh, gets into this this story in the front page of the Sun-Times, CPS Big Math Problem, underscores what I've been saying all along. You got to get it in writing, everybody. Uh, they're having a dispute over the contract already, Maya. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, essentially, the, the <laughs> oh my God, the Board of Education, Lori Lifer, saying teachers, we don't owe you this money, uh, this this uh, raise, because you didn't, it's not in writing, you know? And remember remember how they said, oh, trust us when it comes to hiring more nurses, even though they didn't put it in writing. Got to get it in writing, everybody. First of all, Maya, welcome back. It's been two weeks since you've been on the happy show. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year. 2020 year of clarity. Is, is Did you just come up with that, or no, did I miss that? No, no, no. This has been passed down to me through wise people who I've conversed with. So yeah, no, I can't claim credit for that. Uh, but I've been spreading, I've been spreading the good news though. 2020 uh, year of clarity. I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Year of clarity, man. We could use a little clarity in this world. Yeah. It's not off to a great start in the clarity department. No. Uh, and we're going to talk about that war propaganda and, uh, get your thoughts on that. But before we do, we do have to have a little clarity about First Tuesday. Yes. And uh, Maya and I are partners in crime uh, at First Tuesdays, uh, which is usually the first Tuesday of every month, which would mean it would be tonight. But but tonight, we're in the, the show's canceled because everything is canceled at the hideout this week because they've closed the bar for some repairs that they needed to do. So there is no First Tuesdays tonight. And we will be back the first Tuesday of February, uh, I believe it's February 4th, and we will have an awesome show, and our guests are going to be Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa and uh, Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, and we're going to be talking about um, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, because each of our guests is is supporting one of those candidates, and uh, yeah, we're going to, it's going to be a... A, a, a progressive on progressive versus progressive type of discussion. So uh, this stuff our audience knows and loves. Yeah, no, this is uh, this, uh, both candidates, both candidates, uh, uh, both debaters, uh, Alderman Rosa and uh, Commissioner Johnson have been on the show within the last three, two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. And they're already trash talking each other about this upcoming debate. We have to figure out the format. Maya and I are going to have to put our brains together and figure out a format. We haven't done that yet. But one thing we know for sure, these are both uh, two smart, articulate uh, progressives, and they're going to be defending uh, their candidate, Bernie, in the case of uh, Alderman Ramirez Rosa and uh, Elizabeth Warren in the case of Brandon Johnson, vigorously defending their candidates. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it'd be interesting. I, do you have any opinion? Uh, in terms of which one of them yeah. I'm going to vote for? Yes. You know better than to ask me that. 
on the air. Why? Come on, man. <laughs> uh, no, not in a presidential. Yeah, else. but like not in a presidential election year. Come on, man. Uh, I still, I still gotta, you know, I still gotta be doing reporting in this town. But uh, no, actually, what I want to say is that for those people who were excited about. Um, our police reform show no, that was supposed to be scheduled for tonight. Have no fear. We're going to be back with representatives from CPAC and GAPA uh, for our April show. Yeah. Because our March show, the first Tuesday of March is Super Tuesday, so we're going to have a super special first Tuesdays. We'll tell you more about it, but it's not going to be at the hideout in March. It'll be at the, at the promontory in Hyde Park. It'll be... Um, a big venue, a big a big election-related show, so we'll keep you posted on the details there. But in April, we'll be back in the hideout, and we'll have our police accountability and reform yeah, I know uh, program then. That's a lot of info. Uh, we'll be updating everybody, but bottom For line. now, just mark your calendar. First Tuesday of February at the hideout. Brandon Johnson, Carlos Rosa, be there. All right. Uh, so I missed the... Uh, a discussion with you over the last two weeks. You've been gone with, uh, about reefer finally being mm-hmm. legal, uh, legal it's in the, the state of news, Illinois. Yeah. And you have a big story in the reader, which I have not read. So chastise me. Usually I do uh, my homework a little better than this. You know, yeah, Ben, of all the things to read, I embedded with a weed dealer uh, to... to <laughs> Give you an up close account of how how uh, how he does his job and what he thinks about uh, about legalization and I can't believe you still haven't read it. No, I will read it in time for next week's show. The guy who gives all the guests homework. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I'm chastised. I'm sitting here uh, very embarrassed. Uh, so tell folks a little bit about the story then. Yeah. So I mean, I basically just uh, I, I found this uh, dealer who does like home deliveries and um he's been in the business for almost 20 years and he sells um dry flour and he sells uh thc infused like edibles and tinctures and kind of all the all the um kind of main type of uh marijuana products that people tend to consume and uh he basically took me along on a day of his deliveries and kind of showed me how he does his work and shared his thoughts about um you know, what legalization will mean and how it'll affect his business. And also just told me about himself. It was an interesting experience, just like connecting with a person that you would otherwise, you know, a person like me or just like a general, unless you, unless you were connected with him as your actual dealer, you know, what the chances of, of, of crossing paths and knowing about this side of his work are pretty low. Um, Cause he's also got a whole other side of his life where he runs a, uh, a completely unrelated uh, small business, and uh, so you know, I suppose I could have come across this guy in that context, but uh, you know, I would have never known about about the weed dealing side. So anyway, it's an, it, it was an interesting time for me to 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 get to know this guy and see his work, and um, I think he shared a lot of interesting perspectives. So uh, you guys can check out the story in the paper if you can still find the one. Um, uh, th- that issue around, or it's online, and the story's called Weed Man's Day. Yeah, Weed Man's Day. I've seen the headline several <laughs> times. It's a, a great headline, uh, and I'm sure it's a great story because Maya wrote it. Uh, now, Maya, let me ask you this. What do you think the impact of legalization ultimately will be on uh, the underground weed dealers? Well, uh, n- not much in the near future, I think, and uh, according to what Weed Man told me anyway, also, um, the, 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 re- the dispensaries can only sell what's 
grown in the state, and it's already pretty clear that they're going to run out of supplies. I mean, some dispensaries, from what I've heard, have already run out, yeah. but... Um, they're they're going to run out because there's only a limited quantity of weed that can be that that that's available right now because the plants need time to grow. It takes like a few months for a plant to mature and produce uh, enough bud to be able to you know for it to be ready basically, and then it takes some time for it to be cured and dried properly and whatever. So this uh the the dealer is not worried because his supply chain has long been established he gets his product from out west from california and colorado and the pacific northwest he's got relationships with his suppliers and growers um he's been stocking up to to deal with the dry spell when it comes and ultimately i mean he also his prices are are going to remain what they are which is lower than what the dispensaries are charging Mm -hmm. um so he thinks that you know he's not going to lose customers and maybe he'll even gain some um at the end of the day you know the novelty of standing in line and paying more for the same product will probably wear off for a lot of people so he'll be there when they're when they're looking to just transact in the comfort of their own home yeah and uh so what did his customers how did they view you oh i only met only one of them uh well I, i met a couple of them and you know they they're people that he has known long enough to where like they were comfortable you know chatting with me and stuff um people were very relaxed and i mean people are not like i think cannabis has really become so kind of normalized and widely accessible and widely used that people don't really see themselves as like participating in something shady i mean nobody you know nobody told me their names and that kind of thing just out of common sense but they were friendly normal Mm -hmm. people just you know nine to five workers just regular folks who um who enjoy this like some people enjoy beer after work Mm -hmm. yeah no i've uh done many stories over the years where i accompany people going door to door and uh, generally like a lot of times it's political candidates so I'm watching them interact, uh, and they won't even bother introducing me. The, the assumption is, is an aide or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no need to uh, introduce me. But from time to time, it's been other things where they have introduced me, and people kind of, don't quote me. Don't yeah. use my name. Ugh, I'm scared. <laughs> First Amendment rights, but nobody, uh, everybody's too afraid to use them and exercise them. Uh, all right, let's talk uh, war propaganda. Uh, I said uh, I sent Maya a text this morning. What do you want to talk about? What's on your mind? Boom. War propaganda. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that uh, anybody who's even marginally awake has by now heard something about this situation in Iran um, and with this uh, U.S. airstrike and assassination of this general, um, Qasem Soleimani. I mean, I read an excellent article this morning um, in uh, Current Affairs, and it's by uh, Nathan J. Robinson, who is also the same person who wrote that, like, eviscerating takedown of Pete Buttigieg, like, maybe six months to a year ago. Uh, Just like a super thorough examination of... uh, Pete Buttigieg's history and record and his autobiography and all the ways that we should be kind of uh, explored all the reasons to be skeptical of the guy. So now the same, I mean, Nathan J. Robinson is, I think, the founder and publisher of Current Affairs. So this is like his publication. But anyway, the article is called How to Avoid Swallowing War Propaganda. And I highly recommend everyone check it out. It's pretty lengthy, but like a very good, detailed examination of the way that the media coverage has been shaping up around 
this situation with Iran already, and it's been like what, like a week, even yeah. less. So um, I think that uh, what I've seen in the mainstream news on NPR, on television, you know, on CNN, in the New York Times, like there's there there there's varying degree of nuance depending on the outlet um and depending on whether or not you're like reading breaking news or something more analysis oriented, but it's really scary the way that this is like the 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 fever pitch with which this is already being covered and assumptions are being thrown around and one of the things that i really liked about uh robinson's article is that he he kind of says that like already the narrative is like this guy i mean cnbc's like tweets about this was like the u.s took out the world's number one bad guy Mm -hmm. like nobody i think most people in this country had never heard of this guy's name until a week ago and had no idea of what his role was in any kind of armed conflict in, 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 in the, um, you know, in the world. And uh, there's there's just in these whenever there's situations like this, we saw this with Vietnam. We saw this with the Iraq war. We saw this with the first Gulf War. I mean, there's there's immediately statements, justifications and narratives put out by, quote unquote, officials, by the government, by authorities and you but the bottom line is that you ju- you just can't believe anything that you hear in the news right now that's being told to you as an explanation for why this is happening and what's going to happen next and why and why certain steps are being taken and why they're necessary because even the best even the best um you know even the best uh journalists and the best kind of most trustworthy news outlets at the end of the day most of them in in the last week all they've had to go off of is statements from statements from officials and the officials are trying to justify what they have done the assassination of this man they they're they're trying to justify this other steps they're taking i mean i don't know if you saw the uh uh the the sort of explanation of how the decision was made to to kill this guy in the first place there was like a menu of options that were given to president trump of uh, of how, of you know how to deal with this with, with these tensions with uh with iranian backed militias and with iran and then he he like chose and then the, the assassination of this guy was like put on the list as like a i guess it's like general practice for uh, the Department of Defense to provide all options, even the most extreme ones. And I guess it's sort of assumed that the president will never pick the most extreme option. And at first, I guess he didn't. But then he was watching TV yeah. and wa- and like watching the demonstration or like the protests in front of the U.S. Embassy and got mad. U.S. And apparently, Embassy in Baghdad. Yeah, in Baghdad. And, and, and which was which was a demonstration that apparently happened after uh, there was a um th- there was some kind of uh skirmish or conflict where where uh some american contractor was blown up about a week before the uh uh the demonstrations began the united states countered with its own uh, uh, uh bomb attack uh, in iraq this is all going on which in the midst then, of an ongoing civil war in iraq right which then triggered this protest no. in front of the embassy which is like a, an extremely uh, logical way for people to respond like it, you know it, I mean there's protests in front of foreign embassies in the United States all the time about issues like this so anyway uh, 
the whole thing is like a, a really reactive mess. And what what struck me watching the news, just like TV news, in the first couple of days after they killed this general. It, was just like the constant stream of images of like angry people shouting mm -hmm. in the streets in 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 Iraq and Iran they just had random footage of like angry looking men no translation of what people are saying uh and then like constant and this was on CNN that I was watching this there was just like this constant stream of images of like people burning american and israeli flags and it, I just, you know, I was like, how old was I? I was uh, uh, 2003. So I was like 13 or 14 mm -hmm. when, yeah, I was, no, I was, I guess I was 15 when the war in Iraq started. Mm -hmm. when, and, the, when the Bush invaded. Uh, yeah. Okay. And I just that remember war. that, that like those like images of like, uh, like, you know, brown people in Iraq in like traditional dress burning American flags being constantly flashed like on TV screens interspersed with like you know Colin Powell's speech at the UN and all this BS that we now know this was just like all like propaganda and f just like lies you know to justify doing this the, the going after this agenda of like invading iraq so i you know i just feel like i what i'm seeing on tv right now is like exactly the same thing and at one point i was like what how do we even know that this footage of these people burning these flags first of all like how do we know that this is even happening right now how do we know where exactly this was even filmed where like you know who these people are that did this i mean what came out in the, in the wake like you know, years later after the, after the Iraq war started was that there was like a bunch of footage. I think that there was a, a documentary called control room, I believe that was about the news coverage of the invasion of Baghdad and the reception of the local people in Baghdad to like the quote unquote American liberators. And it turns out that it was all staged like the, like that, those famous shots of like American troops coming into the center of Baghdad and toppling the Saddam's uh, Hussein statue and like putting a flag over, over Saddam's face, like an American flag and like all the people celebrating all around, like that was staged by the American military. Like people were brought there to create the scene for the press to like, then, you know, transmit to the United States. So like, I just, you know, like all, everything we're watching right now, there's like a very high probability that like, it, it's all just smoke and mirrors, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, and, and the press is like immediately in this frenzy of like being reactive and giving you like the latest updates when we still don't even know what's going on or why this is happening or who's involved, et cetera. And I like, you know, I'm, I'm just like, well, it's horrifying to watch it just happen. Like again, you know, like at per usual, like the, the screenplay, the screenplay yeah. is the same, you know? And so I, I encourage everyone to read this, this, this article and pass it on to your friends and relatives, pass it on to your like grandparents, like people who are watching TV all the time, because this is we're we're witnessing the process of like consent for whatever's happening next being manufactured yeah. now. Yeah. Like that's what's happening. Well, uh, before at my opening, I was having fun with this a little bit. I knew that uh, as soon as the word broke that Trump had ordered the execution of the general, uh, that there would be talking points uh, dispatched by Trumpsters. 
And so I was waiting for my uh, talking points and I get the Tea Party emails on their mailing list. And so I was joking, uh, almost all the <laughs> emails that Tea Party sends are pitching things, like they're selling things. Tea Party has turned into a marketing uh, operation where they sell you things. Uh, but the one, the one t uh, email I got, which was quote unquote substantive uh, to this issue, was mocking Democrats in Congress for bewailing the death of a terrorist. And so, essentially, the talking point <laughs> that they're being di dispatching is that if you ask for restraint on the part of your government, if you ask for answers on the part of your government, if you question or challenge uh, the uh, military uh, policies of President Trump, you are somehow or other a collaborator with terrorists. You're an ally of terrorists. And this is the general talking point. And I believe, Mike, get your thoughts on this, that reporters who cover this in the back of their minds are wary of this and are very concerned about looking, quote unquote, soft on terrorism, looking as though. Yeah, but like this is exactly the issue that happened in 2003 when the press was like so gung ho in support and justification of that war. And people were getting called out on it then. And there was a very stark contrast between that and 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 Vietnam War coverage, which although I would say that, like, w at the very beginning, there wasn't much skepticism of the of the Vietnam War. And, and even though ultimately, I think that a lot of the war coverage at that of that conflict ended up being much more skeptical of 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 government claims after in 2003, after 9-11, the press was like fully yeah, com very concerned, and I think, you know, probably consciously and also subconsciously, people, yeah, people were not, people were very wary of appearing like they were in any way, shape, or form not condemning terrorism, mm -hmm. you know, and anything connected to terrorism. But once again, what did we find out about Iraq? There was no connection. There was no connection. The agenda about invading Iraq had nothing to do with Al Qaeda or weapons of mass destruction or Saddam Hussein supporting, you know, the the, the, the groups that were committing terrorist acts on U.S. soil. No connection, yeah. you know. And uh, now, again, like even the deployment of this word terrorist and terrorism, like it's all designed to be an emotional trigger. Like, this guy was a general in the Iranian army. Like, this guy is like a representative of the Iranian state. I mean, you can talk about, I guess, like, people talk about Iran being a state sponsor of terrorism. But, like, you know, uh, every state is a state sponsor of terrorism. Like, there's every, every country, the United States included, and especially the United States, participates in covert operations on foreign soil, uh, you know, I mean, maybe not every country, but of, of in terms Major of world countries. powers, yeah, there's covert operations on, on foreign soil all the time. There's uh, backing for, you know, uh, you know, military backing for local groups to carry out various operations. I mean, like, look at the first war with Afghanistan, the, the Soviet war with Afghanistan. I mean, the United States government was sending money and weapons. Watch the movie Charlie Wilson's War. That was state-backed sponsorship of what the Soviet Union considered to be terrorism, you know, of, 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 of weapons supplies and money to the Mujahideen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just, it all depends on where you're standing. And at the end of the day, like, what, what, we're, what is looming here is once again the, like, 
destruction of 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 cities of countries of people's communities of like you know the massive possible losses of civilians lives Mm -hmm. of people who are already like have just been like squeezed and pushed to the brink by these sanctions like this is this is like any any i you know i'm not a i'm not a war correspondent i don't cover washington i'm not in the daily press corps and neither are you but like our colleagues in the media need to be doing better than just like hashing like rehashing government propaganda like once again especially after the experiences with the iraq invasion and especially now like by the way when did you last hear or read anything about what's going on with the impeachment well okay now that (laughs) or or for that matter like anything else yeah this is this is this is completely dominated the the headlines of of you know broadcast news and and the papers as well and it's just like it's just chill it's just chilling to watch. Uh, yeah. By the way, I urge everybody. Don Rose, uh, longtime political uh, consultant, uh, a strategist in the city of Chicago, wrote a very uh, a compelling uh, essay for it's in the Sun Times. A nice war as re-election strategy, uh, breaking down many of the points you just made uh, about burying the impeachment. We'll get into that in a little a while but uh he, here's the the situation in iraq the situation in the middle east is so complex and the role that the united states has played uh in this ongoing uh, war a war that has consumed this entire uh century so you're pretty much coming of age experience your life as a teenager your life as a young adult uh has all been consumed uh, Stacey Davis Gates has entered the building. Stacey Davis Gates has entered the building. Uh, your entire adult life, Maya, has been consumed by a war uh, in which the United States has been a player in the Middle East. And it shifts. The explanation shifts. So if you're just watching it from the outside, follow me on this. You had George Bush uh, basically uniting the foreign policy establishment, uh, ginning up evidence uh, and deceiving people into believing that the invasion of Iraq was necessary to protect the planet from a lunatic who had access uh, to weapons of mass destruction. It, it Who was in some way connected to al-Qaeda and the terrorists a, and 9-11 and it all of that. It turned out yeah. there were no weapons of mass destruction. He had no connections to al-Qaeda. Uh, he was a large degree a product of U.S. because uh, he had been an ally of the United States. In the 80s, the United States had been ginning up a war between Iraq and Iran, uh, trying to figure out what strategic best interest at the moment. Uh, so it all turns out that was a lie. And as time has gone on, culture has absorbed the lie. There's movies that talk about the lie, the consequences it's had on ordinary people. Donald Trump has picked up some of the talking points, talked about endless wars. And when Donald Trump was himself the target of investigations for his alleged wheeling the dealings with Putin's government and the hackers, et cetera, and so forth. What did he do? He took advantage of the skepticism that Americans have toward our uh, foreign establishment by talking about how these are the same people who are investigating him are the ones who led us into war in 2003. Fast forward to last week, when Donald Trump decides it's a good, somehow or other, in America's best interest, the world's best interest, to execute the number two person in Iran, he says, well, I had all this evidence provided by the same deep state. So when it's his advantage, the deep state is an enemy of truth yeah, and controlled by Hillary Clinton. Uh, when it's to his advantage in a different case, well, they're providing me with intel and only I know. 
So it is very difficult for Americans to figure stuff out because they're constantly being bombarded uh, with con- conflicting messages. But and, you know and, what? You don't need to have you don't need to have an opinion about this. Or you don't you don't need to have an, a, like you need you don't need to have your mind made up about what you are for or against here. This is all like immediately polarized. Like it's some kind of ideological litmus test already. Like five days later of like what who you are you know like the left side of things is just like nonstop you know f- social media posts about like no war with Iran and then like all this stuff about how you know we're taking out terrorists on Fox News and on the right and whatever and it's just like just like please slow your roll like we don't know anything yet there's like there's no there's no like this whole thing is is just runs on lightning fast decision making that's made in a in a that 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 are being made in in this like manufactured context of urgency mm-hmm. and the truth is that like we don't know what's going on at all and th- i think that people are so you know what we we turn on the news and we get the sense that we should be worried like something is imminently happening but we don't know yeah. we don't know what's happening and that feeling that of concern and of stress that's generated by this like snippets of information or disinformation that gets put out there is like that anxiety is what the what people with some other agenda want and you know what the agenda is of the pe- of the people who are running the show here is to be reelected to put to get attention away from all these like unseemly things that are affecting the president you know this impeachment and whatever else like you know what like read your local newspaper pay attention to what's happening in your city like the, you know Stacey Davis case is about to be here telling you about like what you know like this is no less important you don't need like I just urge everyone to just continue to keep your attention on things that that are 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 important in your community and 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 not just be like hyperventilating and consuming tv news and and like snippets of stuff on social media all day long you know what i mean like we don't know anything that's going on and like they're they're anyone who has their mind made up about what's happening think or thinks they understand what's happening um you know it's probably best not to take that person's I, opinions I'm with seriously. You. I'm with you. And we are being fed uh, a lot of propaganda uh, and we are being manipulated. And it's ironic. Uh, we'll close this conversation with the, the subject we began it. We took a, a, a small but significant step away from the war on drugs by legalizing reefer in the state of Illinois. And there was all this jubilation. Uh, over over that and article after article about long lines of people uh, waiting to buy reefer uh, at uh, state sanctioned uh, dispensaries, and we just kind of shoved aside uh, Maya the fact that we talk about a propaganda campaign. The war on drugs was a nonstop propaganda. Your entire life, early part of your life, was. Bill Clinton and Rahm Emanuel telling you they're going to stand up to drug dealers and protect you, and you know, keep from this invasion of our country. Uh, more police, more arrests. Before them, it was Ronald Reagan saying the same. Before that, it was Richard. And meanwhile, everybody's smoking reefer on the slide and pretending as though they're part of. You know what I mean? They buy into it, and so to a certain degree. 
I do believe, I agree with you, people have to be vigilant. People have to try to come up with their own independent ideas, not just believe what they're seeing, uh, what, what they're fed, et cetera, and so forth. And we see, I see it happen all the time. Not just, uh, the stakes are really high with this, because this is war. You get what I'm saying? But it's, it's, but it's like, like, the minute we, we, we are like taking the propaganda seriously, like that's the first step towards moving closer to it. To be All of it is propaganda it. right now. Like uh, everything put out by any, I mean, no matter how trustworthy the journalistic source is, there's very little reporting that's that, that anyone is able to do right now. It's been too little time to really shed light on what's happening. Yeah. And no, there's nothing says anywhere that anything has to be fast or reactive. You know, like people just need to slow down read this article about how not to swallow <laughs> propaganda and and like continue to pay attention to meanwhile what's happening locally and in you know in, in nationally too but in 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 other corners of our our public life all right along those lines we're gonna bring and actually Dave speaking Dave's of which can i plug something before i leave oh yes go ahead uh so we speaking have an election which, coming up yeah. <laughs> you talked about kim fox and the state's attorney's race uh we also have an election for the uh clerk of the circuit court of cook county which is uh currently that post is occupied by dorothy brown uh you may if you've heard of dorothy brown maybe you've heard that she's really not great at that job uh so now there's four candidates she's not running for real election there's four candidates um vying for her seat richard boykin um michael cabanargi iris martinez and jacob meister so next tuesday uh january 14th at 4 p.m uh i'm going to be moderating a debate between the candidates it's at 3 30 north wabash so again tuesday next tuesday january 14th at 4 p.m 3 30 north wabash um I encourage everyone to to come. It's a free event. Uh, it'll be a, a chance to get familiar with the issues and with these candidates. And it's a office a lot of people don't really think about or know much about, but it's really important because all of our this is the largest unified court system in the country, and the record keeping in this in our in our criminal justice and civil justice system is is fairly abhorrent. And the way that this office has been run for years is. Is, re- is partially responsible for that so it's it's a really important race and it's really important that we're finally getting some new blood into this office and it's important to make a good uh you know informed decisions about who to vo- vote for all right this very office. good and uh thank you very much maya and i assume you'll still be in the show next week you know you have the debate yes all right very good all right uh we stacy davis gates is on deck we're going to bring her on when we return hey everybody what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of jeff manuel Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J E F F. 
M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. One more time. Chicago Land Cremation Options.com. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters.